Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast where we take the complexity out of real estate investing so you can get started today. And this is one of our under 10 minute episodes where we take a topic or a concept in the multifamily investing space and simplify it in under 10 minutes so you can get back to doing whatever it is that you want to be doing. So today we're going to be talking about markets, uh, specifically, how do you identify good markets versus not so good markets? Anthony? What do you think? I just I just threw a dart at the map, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, and that seems to have worked pretty well for me. But if you are a little bit more, <laughs> is this where you landed with your dart, Minneapolis? Yeah, I landed in Minneapolis of all places, Perfect. and it just so happened it be it to be in my backyard. But you know, in fairness, it was a very the only small map I have map, on the wall. It? No, the only map I have on the wall is of <laughs> Minneapolis. So, it was like, <laughs> but if you're more sophisticated than us, if you, and you want to have an analytical way of understanding and vetting a market. Then these are some of the metrics and some w- some ways that you're going to look at uh, a potential MSA or a metropolitan statistical area. So the very first one that we look for is population growth. It's a simple supply demand equation. If you're on the right side of the supply and demand, then you, it's hard to go wrong in this business. And supply starts with population, or rather demand. I actually don't know, but. If you have people moving into an area, it signifies that there is a demand, that there are people that want to live there. And that is better than having people leave a city. People are leaving the city, then you're going to end up with oversupply of inventory and not enough people to rent it. So number one, we're looking for population growth. Yes. I think you said everything that needs to be said on population growth. It's very concise. Um, Thank you. The next one on the list is going to be the job market and specifically job growth or job decline. So how many jobs are available in the area and is the number of those jobs increasing or decreasing? And really, I think this drives population because where there are jobs, people will go. And if jobs are disappearing, people will leave. And so I think the, the everything kind of starts with the, the, the macroeconomic picture in the job market. And that's really, I think, going to drive a lot of the uh, the movement of people around. You know, there's some tax and political issues that play into that as well. But largely, uh, but from a high level, you know, for example, if, if, if Amazon is going to build a big new facility somewhere with 7,000 uh, jobs coming online, that's going to do wonders for an area. So mm-hmm. job growth is very important or uh, uh decreasing numbers of jobs would be uh, not a good thing. So you always want to look at what the job growth looks like in an area. Mm -hmm. And tying in with that Amazon example, it's really important to look at the economic diversity of the city itself. So if Amazon's coming in and they're bringing 20,000 jobs and that's the number one employer in an area and that's it, well, then you have a lot of 
you know, what would they call that key man weakness? So if Amazon ever leaves that area, then you're in a lot of trouble. And this is what mm-hmm. happened to Detroit. It was very locked into a single industry, the automotive industry. When it went under, then Detroit really got slammed hard. So what we want to find is a city that has a good economic foundation, has multiple different businesses of different sectors, so that if any one of those sectors gets really hard, then it doesn't sink the city. You know, So like Las Vegas is a very hospitality, tourism-driven city, got hit really hard during COVID when nobody could leave the house and go go travel anywhere. So that's another thing that we want to look for is make sure that we have a good economic platform. So just out of curiosity, what market has the most Fortune 500 companies per capita? Well, that feels like it was a little bit of a leading question, but it is, in fact, (laughs) Minneapolis. Fun fact. All right. Moving on. Uh, And what's interesting about that, by the way, is that those are a very broad spectrum of companies across many, many different industries. So just not just one industry. It's not automotive. It's not tech. it's, It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. And before we leave this topic, we're going to do a little bit more self-promotion here real quick. That really explains why why the Minneapolis-St. Paul market did so well during the 2008 financial financial crisis. If you look how the assets in this area performed during that period, uh, they did great relative to other markets that were more strongly impacted by the economic downturn. And that's just a product of a a diverse industry. so anywho, moving on, enough promotion for <laughs> Minneapolis-St. Paul, uh, unemployment rate. So kind of the inverse of the uh, the job market metric that we were talking about before, you want to look at unemployment. Um, so if there's jobs coming online in an area, but unemployment is still high, you know that's something that you want to pay attention to. And not just unemployment um, in and of itself, but unemployment relative to the rest of the U.S. Because right now, everyone's unemployment is kind of inflated. So if you want to get a good gauge of how a particular market is faring relative to the rest of the U.S., you want to look at how their unemployment compares to the national averages in other areas. I think I read it somewhere that Minneapolis actually lost the least amount of jobs per so, per, by national average, but I don't want to keep going down the Minneapolis. This is, is just a big commercial yeah. for Minneapolis. This has just turned into <laughs> Twin Cities is the best. But anyways, so yeah, unemployment wait, super important ties, ties in, integrally into the uh, into the job growth side of the equation. Next, we want to talk, start talking about quality of life. And one of the most important mm-hmm. aspects of quality of life is median household income. How much is the average person making in a city? And this is a very important aspect because the more money somebody makes, then ostensibly the the more things that they can afford to, to purchase. Now, we need to offset that by understanding what is our median household price and the average cost of, of living so we can understand what's the affordability index of a market because it doesn't do you any good to make $200,000 a year in New York if your living expenses are 198,000, you're ostensibly poor. So what we wanna find is a good Delta where there's a strong income correlated with an average cost of living so that your money goes further. Yeah, and that also comes in handy when you're looking at specific opportunities in an area. Uh, taking a look at that median income and taking a look at what the uh, the current rents are on properties you might be looking at and seeing if there is actually enough room to move the rents up to where you or the operator you're talking to uh, wants to move them 
considering what the median income is in that area. Um, so just another little tidbit there, but yeah, income really is, is going to be an important factor in things. And to Anthony's point, income relative to other things like house price and cost of living, and also looking at income uh, in previous years and see how that income is changing over time. Is it increasing or is it decreasing or is it staying the same? And in the same way, let's just put out their rent growth, really understanding have rental prices because we're multifamily people. We want to understand are those rental prices actually increasing over time? Has it been a sharp increase in the last year? That could be a sign that maybe a lot of new inventory came online or a big new uh, employer came into town. But we like to, for us, we like nice, steady, long term growth. We don't really enjoy seeing big spikes upwards or downwards. Mm -hmm. So, those are some of the more objective things to look at. And then the last one I want to add on to here is pretty subjective. It's hard to measure, but I'll put it as just quality of life or culture of life. And like how happy are people to live in a certain place? Because some cities, they have high prevalence of heart disease. They're very unfit cities. They don't have much cultural you know, nightlife going on. There's not much interesting there. And so it's not a very enticing city for people to want to live in. Whereas... I don't know, some place like the Twin Cities that's consistently <laughs> voted number one for like the best place to live. I Shameless. Don't know. I know. I just, I can't help it, but it's true. So anyway. Yeah. So that might be as simple as looking at, you know, some of those like periodicals, like Life Magazine or People, whoever puts out those lists. Of, <laughs> what do you call them? I love it. You're so old. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's all kinds of lists that, that these, um, uh, I don't even know what to call them. Like magazine cities. Put out. Yeah. yeah. A lot of, I can't forget who puts them out, but there's a lot of those lists out there and it's not real estate oriented at all, mm-hmm. but it, it might be a good clue to kind of look at. And they factor in a lot of stuff, you know, school districts and stuff like that. So yep. very, very good info from like a macro level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's pretty much everything that you need to know as a passive investor looking at different markets. If you go through these lists and you understand the population and job growth, the economic diversity, the unemployment rate, the median income compared to the household in, uh, household price and rent growth and quality of life, if you understand all these things, you're going to have a hard time going wrong, honestly, in selecting a market. So get out there, find your market, and then find your operators that you want to work with and get to it, start investing, go for it. And we'll catch you guys next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.